Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Asterisk. Uh, This episode is not going to be all about the goofs and gaffes that we normally have here on the show or or, or even about necessarily um, our advocacy that sometimes we like to cheekily slip right into the middle of the, the, the fun there uh, to get our messaging out. Instead, this is going to be about getting some other people's messaging out. This is going to be about the municipal candidates here in Calgary. You're probably aware the municipal election is coming up on October 18th, and advanced voting is coming up even more rapidly. By the time you hear this, it may actually already be in session. Remember, advanced voting is on campus the 6th and the 7th of October. So make sure you vote. Dawson, are you ready? I am so ready. I am so, so excited to be here, and I'm so excited for um, the, the, fun, the fun of it all, and I'm happy to be part of it. Wonderful. Uh, to our listeners, you know me. I'm Liam Hunter, your host uh, and co-host of The Asterisk. Uh, last year, you may have known me as your vice president external. This year, I'm just the president. Follow, uh, I don't follow, not followed, sorry, <laughs> joined today by my uh, good friend, trusted confidant, and, uh, and a very important person in my life, Sir Dawson Thomas. You've just heard him speak. Uh, uh, but today, we're going to be joined by a, a, a wide range of candidates. Our first, though, is going to be um, a Ward 7 candidate, coming straight out of Ward 7, the very ward that Sate is in. Uh, this is Maryland North uh, Pagan. And uh, we are very excited to have her on the show today. Uh, but first, of course, Dawson, we, she, she's not here yet. She's waiting for us in the interview dimension. She is. She is waiting for us in the interview dimension. So how do we get there, Liam? Uh, well, I just need you to just come over here and stand on this, this metal pad. Okay. Okay. And All right. Go ahead and just press that button to your to your right. Just press it to my right. Yeah. Don't press the one two to your right. Otherwise, we will be in okay. excruciating pain. Uh, kind of want that though. <laughs> you might like it, but we don't want to end up in that dimension. That okay. dimension is not. We want the interview dimension. Interview dimension. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to pain one next time. Okay. All right. Interview dimension. Here we go. It's still gonna be a little painful. Perfect. All right. Just it. press it. All right. I'm pressing it. Ah! <laughs> okay well that never gets easier see and that was the one that wasn't painful that was my first time well welcome (laughs) welcome to the interview dimension this is of course to our listeners the trans-dimensional space a pocket dimension that the good wizards here at Seitza have created full of inquiry and answers to be found uh and and who's that coming over to the horizon who's that through the mists here of the pocket dimension it's I do believe, Dawson, it's, it's Maryland North Pan. I believe you're right. Well, hello, folks. How are you doing today? Oh, we're doing pretty well. I think the pain's wearing off from the <laughs> teleportation. Our atoms are reconstituting themselves. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Well, I'm glad you pushed the right button today. <laughs> I really do. And I'm glad you're in my presence and not somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> the other dimension. We don't want to talk about the other dimension. That one. <laughs> Let's that one, not go there. <laughs> the dimension of a thousand punches. Uh, never fun. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk to you a little bit yeah. about uh, yourself, about your campaign. Uh, I, I'm sure our, our listeners right now, though, are, are eager to know a little bit more about yourself. You want to give us a brief rundown? Sure. Well, my name is Marilyn North Pagan, and I'm actually from Treaty 7. I'm from uh, the Bikani Nation, which is about two and a half hours south of here between Pincher Creek and Fort McLeod. I was uh, born and raised there, and I left when I was 19 out of high school. I went and I joined the Canadian Armed Forces. 
Um, by the time I returned to Alberta back in, in 1997, I was the youngest serving Canadian Forces medic in Alberta. And um, I did my service there with a lot of pride and I left and I came back to Calgary back in 2000 to start my undergrad degree at Mount Royal College at the time, now it's university. But I um, earned a uh, Bachelor of Psychology there, Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. And I returned back to my community for uh, about two years to raise my daughter and to write my master's thesis, which um, ended up drawing out the initial picture of what we now know as the missing and murdered Indigenous women and, and girls uh, issue here in Canada. At that point, and that was in 2013, no one was ready to hear my, my work. So now that um, we've come a long ways to that, I, I went and sat on the Calgary Aboriginal Urban Affairs Committee, which produced the White Goose Flying Report, and we were a citizens advisory committee to city council. And after that, in 2017, I accepted an appointment by city council to, uh, a as the Calgary Police Commissioner, as one of the Calgary Police Commissioners. So. I've been having my portfolio there. And you know those days of them not wanting to hear my thesis? Guess what? I'm writing them into policy for Calgarians right now. So that, that's history. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the rundown. You, you clearly had a, a storied career. And uh, thank you again for making time for us today. Uh, we, know, we know this is the, kind of the tail end of the election. You're very busy. So we'll jump right into it, trying to keep this, this uh, time ask as, as little as possible here. Um, and we're going to jump into a couple of student-focused issues. And we're going to jump into um, a couple of city issues. And we'll, we'll close out with the topic of, of reconciliation. Absolutely. Uh, so, so right off the bat, uh, we know that Calgary... Um, you know, it's had some economic turmoil in the last couple of years. Uh, and as revitalization becomes a word being used often, uh, both the, the by the incumbents in City Hall, but also by many of the candidates, what role do students have in ensuring our economic revitalization, and how can you empower them to participate in it? Students have a huge role when it comes to, because my platform is on recovery, resilience, and reconciliation, and they're head of all that. You have to remember, we, you know, we're, we, we have to recover from what is the oil and gas economic downturn. And that includes retraining our folks that are in the workforce right now who were in that field. But not only that, but, you know, generating some in initiatives with our students to make them, you know, we need the ideas. We need the, initi the initiatives for the students to take those leads and to lead us into the next future. We need to encourage our students to, you know, to stay here. We, we have to create our city as a livable, affordable city for our students to want to stay here, raise their families, and grow into the future. Not only that, but attract other student populations, because this is going to need a lot of hands on deck going through the recovery. This is not about political decisions. This is about, you know, citizen survival going into the future. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Dawson. Um, yeah, so for many students who probably don't know who you are and they're really excited to get the chance to hear you here, um, is there anything you would like the students to know about you and your campaign? Well, our campaign, we, we were pegged right from the very beginning as progressive, and I kept telling people, well, I don't sell insurance. So, yeah, when they, <laughs> they turned around and started calling me grassroots progressive, but the thing about it is my teachings, yes, I have a Western um, education, but I, I'm also rooted within my traditional teachings. So my teachings have been here since time immemorial. We're, you know, these, these are not new ideas I'm bringing to the table. These are ideas that we're forgotten about, and we need to start retabling them w alongside our Western ideas. So that's the 
bottom line, and that makes our campaign team so significant because we have so many people from all over the, you know, we have, we, we have the disability community, we have the Chinese community. So, you know, we're very diverse in our campaign and we've really attracted that, those group of people because we are a grassroots uh, campaign. We never started from the public, we started from the community. Absolutely, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, Liam. So uh, here's something that's a little close to uh, a little close to campus here. It's uh, certainly something that uh, last year as the VPX I, I worked a lot on. Um, longtime listeners of the asterisk will remember me ranting about this at length. Uh, are you familiar with the issues surrounding the U Pass, uh, which is the Universal Transit Pass for students? Yes, because I had one in school as well, and <laughs> I, I remember the issues around it. <laughs> Yeah, of, of course, there's the ongoing issues of opt-outs, standardizing opt-outs across the program, um, but definitely um, having kind of students in the room. We, we, we've, we've spoken to city councilors, both incumbent um, candidates uh, across the city as well, um, as people within Calgary Transit, and there's a little bit of, um, there are some people who are really on board, uh, there are some people who are on board on paper, and there are some people who are actually opposed to having students in the room for negotiating those contracts, which are currently negotiated just between the schools and Calgary Transit on the students' behalf. Uh, do you uh, kind of agree with that process? Or just looking for your thoughts on maybe um, having the student associations be part of those negotiations? Well, uh, you know, one of the, great, the, the largest gaps I've found within the municipal practices is the way they engage with communities and the way they engage with citizens and students. And they acknowledge themselves there's a lot of room for improvement. So we need to start, you know, asking the people that these issues affect, we need to ask them directly. What do you want? What do you need? We need to start listening to that. And one of the hugest issues I'm finding at the door knocking is people are frustrated because the municipal government is not listening to the citizens. And I can guarantee you from the days that when I got out of university, they weren't even listening to me either. So I can, it, you know, it's probably the same now. I, I can pretty much guarantee it. There's certainly a lot of frustration. Um, Dawson. Um, yeah, so another thing, something else that's on our, um, on our radar is um, affordable housing. And so I just want to kind of get your input on how will you ensure that we are keeping um, housing affordable for our students? Well, we need to ensure that the citizens' voices are there. You look at downtown right now, we need to start you know, filling up those buildings downtown. And there is a project on the way to have a look at making, turning some of them into affordable housing. That's gotta be a priority because we want our students to be here. I couldn't afford to stay here when I graduated at a, at a university because I didn't have a job, I didn't have a future. So how are we gonna guarantee that for our students coming out of post-secondary? We need to have that talent here in the city and we need to take it into the future. So we have to start looking at these projects that create affordability that's going to keep our students here and attract other students because we need that talent. Absolutely, I could not agree more. Liam. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you've spoken so much about retaining graduates, attracting new talent to the city. Um, there's a term that's been thrown around quite a bit. I think students are familiar with it. Listeners of the podcast are certainly familiar with it. Uh, the brain drain. Um, we've talked to a lot of sitting councillors, uh, again, candidates uh, 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 and what have you. There are some who claim it's not even, it's not a thing. Um, it's not really, it's kind of just a statistical anomaly. Uh, it's anecdotal. Um, and, uh, you know, that might be possible. Others are 
completely firm that it that it's occurring in our city and that's an urgent crisis. Their opponents say this is being blown out of proportion. How do you view the concept of the brain drain? Is it real? Well, like everything else that happens in Western world, we need the empirical evidence because I'm very empirical driven. So, you know, those are the kind of, you know, projects that students need to get behind is we need to show people that they need to have the piece of paper in front of them that's going to tell them exactly what this is. You know, the, we, we have to start doing stuff like that. We can't just be, you know, that's like me saying, well, Indigenous people have this. And one of the things that I, I've tackled is the anti-racism portfolio with the Calgary Police Commission. And up until yesterday, we didn't have the empirical evidence stating that it existed. So you need to prove those things with municipalities. And unfortunately, that's just a practice of Western world. So empirical evidence is where you need to go. Certainly. Um, so we have, uh, we, we, we've, we've certainly um, done a, a little bit of research on this. Uh, we, we, haven't, um, we haven't commissioned a report like we have uh, with affordable education. Um, or some of the other reports that you can view on SATA.com, listeners, go ahead and read those. Um, but uh, we, we, we've seen a couple of reports. So there was a report in 2019, I believe, um, that the CBC reported on that showed differences in um, census data in, in Calgary. And the only, uh, the only group or age range that didn't increase in population across Calgary uh, at the time of that report was aged 18 to 25, I believe. Um, don't quote me on the exact range, but you, the age that you would typically associate with going to school, um, with being a, a student or graduating if you just came out of, if you had just gone into university directly out of high school. Um, do you think that has any kind of attachment to it? Um, it, it? Do you think it could be happening independently? If it is happening, how can we actively retain graduates? Um, I, I know cities like Vancouver and Toronto have openly declared a war with each other for attracting talent. Um, so how, how can Calgary keep up if, if, it's, if it's occurring? Well, I'm going to tell you, we have a practice out here where we tend not to listen to the voices of those, the group of people that you just you know, made reference to. And that has been a common thing. You know, no one asked my opinion when I was that age. So, it, you know, it, it's always between the youth and the people that are older. And even within my culture, that's, it's that way. We, and when you don't acknowledge a group of people, they, they tend to believe that they're not as important. So we need to start focusing on those people because, you know what, this is the group of talent that's going to take us into the future. You know, for me, especially in my campaign, I, I have to think seven generations into the future, and that's a very old teaching. That's not a new teaching. So we need to start adhering to those, to those basic teachings of making people feel like what they're saying and what they're contributing is actually important, and it's going to help the future of, this, you know, of the city, of the municipality. So we need to stop with those practices. We need to focus on them. They're the ones who are going to take us into the future. And you look at me now and how much I have to compensate for because that wasn't given to me at that age. So when are we going to start being inclusive of our students? Because they are taking us into the future. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to transition now more into city issues, uh, more at large, as opposed to just, just the specific student ones. Um, because while our students are students, they are also full-fledged citizens of the city. Um, and so we want to touch on it a, a, a little bit. Um, uh, Dawson, why don't you take away the first one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to know, given that students are always um, utilizing like, transportation all the time here, being active citizens here, what is your stance on the Green Line? 
Well, the green line, um, it's it, the 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 proposals are already there. We just need to jump in front of those proposals to make sure that they're going to benefit the communities that they're meant to serve. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, it, it, there is an issue with the green line being built through a recovery, which is something that our campaign was actually looking at uh, when it comes to recovery and actually preventing what we're called what we call K-shaped recovery, which means a recovery that's just aimed at one specific group of people. So we need to look at our vulnerable vulnerable populations, those less fortunate. So let's let's expand out and see if we we can pilot a program like expanding our fair free zone. You know, that's going to bring in the long run the ec economic benefits for the Green Line. So, you know, the Green Line, the, the, the plans are already in place. We just need to make sure that those short-term goals that the city now has set come to life. Because, yes, the province has cut money, and I, I know they got money back just recently, but if that happens, and because the province has been so unsure with the municipalities, we have to ensure those short-term term goals with the Green Line are met, because they're already in place. And at the long term, they're meant to actually bring the Green Line into, you know, into life. But we have to also consider this recovery we're going into with it. And like I said, we have to start looking at preventing that K-shaped recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. You make such an excellent point regarding uh, vulnerable communities and recovery, and I um, definitely agree for sure. Liam? Uh, y yeah, thank you for your answers so far. Um, really enjoying this conversation. Uh, next, I just want to talk about, I want to stick to the topic of transportation here. Uh, the lack of accessible and available transportation is a real challenge, um, especially for communities in the city uh, where uh, car ownership may not be as widespread. Certainly, um, that's true of myself, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but certainly accessible transportation has been historically a challenge in the city, limiting individuals from fully participating in all aspects of their community, as citizens. Um, what actions will you be taking to improve the availability of accessible public transportation for individuals with disabilities? Well, we need to start looking at, you know, the city depends a lot on like uh, fares of transit. So we need to start backing up from that and looking at, I, I, I know the accessibility is, is, is an issue. I have a disability um, community gentleman that sits on my campaign team and he's been telling me this from the very beginning. So, what, you know, we have to start considering and listening to their voices because you got to remember they're they're having the they're going to have the largest issue when we go through this recovery so how are we going to support them we need to actually invest in the services calgarians use so, and that includes transit what does that look like what does that you know these we need to invest smartly moving forward and transportation is one of them i'm going to tell you the uh, public transportation here is a green you know it's going to give us a green future as well so we need to actually focus on and put money into those those services that Calgarians utilize the most, especially the vulnerable populations. What what are their issues? How are they, you know, uh, what are the issues in them getting downtown to try to get a you know a, a pass? You look, you we we have all these programs that are in place. We need to put more money into them through this recovery, so everybody can recover together. Absolutely, uh, thank you. So I, I just want to move on to uh, kind of a bit away from transit. Um, to another kind of a battleground topic um, at City Hall. Uh, this is the, the place where we get to touch on a lot of fun things like uh, the future of Calgary, uh, densification versus sprawl. Um, it's the guidebook. Uh, the guidebook has been um, a contentious issue um, but for some councillors, other councillors, um, you know, not so much, and they kind of wish that it had just passed or, or, or went away from their, their desk. 
Uh, what's your stance on the guidebook? How do you think um, how do you think it can be altered or kept? Uh, or, or what do you what do you think in there uh, as it pertains to Calgary's future? Well, we need to work with the communities to make sure the local area plans are in agreement with what they want for their communities. And another big issue that came out of the guidebook was actually identifying what heritage is within the communities. And we actually have, uh, I think it's Heritage Calgary that's drawing that out right now. So we need to you know, invest in those kind of programmings that's going to give answers to the communities. Uh, I'm not going to go back and start debating about the guidebook because it's already been decided. And those are not issues that I want to revisit. What we need to do, like I said, is we need to jump ahead of the issues and actually, you know, we need to strategize with the community. With the hugest issue, the largest largest issue with the with the guidebook was the that I heard was the community co consultation once again we, we, we run into this issue it is the consultation with the community and they are frustrated that you know some of them said there was consultation some of them said there wasn't but if if that's the case guess what we didn't we didn't do it to the extent that it needed to be done so we need to re-examine that the way the city does their engagement with the communities because that's what caused the issue Absolutely. Uh, it's certainly something that bogged down City Council for some time. Um, let, let's move right along. Uh, this, is a, this is less so a question and more of a prompt, um, this, this last one in the city's issues uh, kind of section here. Um, I just want to uh, pr provide a, a space for, or for candidates to discuss this. Um, I am certainly no expert on this myself, uh, and so I didn't really even feel comfortable writing a question that might narrow the scope of this discussion. Um, but as a former police commissioner, um, I, I know you're uh, you know, very experienced in this realm. Uh, I just want to give you a brief amount of time here to talk about criminal justice reform. Well, we need to start looking at the teachings that are here. And what we do have is we have a restorative justice program with the indigenous populations. Now, a lot of people suggest or say that the easy way is to go the indigenous way, but it's a lot harder when you're having to actually face what you did to the community and to justify that and to heal with the community that you, you know, you, you made an offense against, right? So, you know, we have to start looking at the teachings that, have, that are already, if we want to discuss true reconciliation, we need to already discuss what's, all, what, you know, we need to discuss what's already been here and what's already here. So we, we already have those practices. And the thing about, you know, Western society is that we, there's this big belief out there that, you know, we were just running wild in the free and in the, in the prairies. And, you know, that's not the case. We had government. We had structure. We had police. And we had those teachings. So what can we learn from what was already here? That's what I've, I've been asking people. That's the reconciliation challenge, is nobody is recognizing what has already been here for years, for since before time. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm glad you brought up reconciliation. Uh, I'm gonna toss it over to Dawson for our last question here. Yeah, thank you so much, Liam. Um, w super important topic right now and something that's really, really important to me. So thank you so much for speaking on, on those issues there and mentioning that. Um, my question is, with reconciliation in mind, many Indigenous communities in the city struggle with barriers such as addictions and mental health struggles. What is your stance on giving back to these communities to ensure they not only, they're not only being spoken for, but supported through various resources that the city can provide so they aren't left behind? Well, again, it comes to that we do it with the community and not for the community. And one of the largest issues that I did see happen with the city is the pilot program for people who can take alcohol into the parks. 
Now, I heard through the municipal government, the reason why they did that is so they didn't have to actually fine the vulnerable populations, indigenous populations that are in the parks, where I actually stood up and said, you do not do things for us. You do things with us because our elders would not agree to do something like this. So those are the mistakes we're still making as a municipal government. They're still failing to actually engage with the populations. And you know what? This is not about alcoholism. This is not about drugs. This is about intergenerational trauma. And we need to start waking up and understanding what that is because, you know, our, our people are down and, you know, there's a large need, uh, you know, uh, for reconciliation to come in towards seven and to understand why those vulnerable populations are down there, what we need to do to actually support them because it has to be a holistic picture. You look at the mental health policy that the mayor just presented not long ago, we need to invest in that because they actually brought to the table the right people. And that's a very rare thing to happen. And we need to see more of that. So it has to be with the community. It can't be f for the communities. Absolutely. Um, that was really, really well said. And I feel like I've said it again, but um, thank you so much for, for sharing your piece on that. Um, I really agree. We need to be working with the people in order for us to kind of strive for the, the goals that we have in mind for us. Um, so thank you so much for saying that. Liam? Yeah, thank you both. Um, I, th I think that was that's the end of our question list. Um, I I, I want to leave a little bit of space here uh, for you. Do you have any questions for us? Uh, do you have any kind of statement, closing statements you'd like to make? I just think we really need to encourage our student population to get out and vote because it's really important. We don't want a min another municipal leader that's just going to carry on the practice of what the the current you know. The, the people in government are actually doing. We need to have a change. And this is our opportunity to form a new relationship with our city. And this has to include our student population because they're the ones who gonna t are gonna take us into the future, not this current, you know, Calgarians have already said enough with, with this. We need to move ahead and we need to do, we need our students. So, you know, I'm encouraging everybody to get out there October 18th and vote for recovery resilience and reconciliation thank you so much uh yeah thanks for making time for us um best of luck to you on the campaign trail and uh yeah have a most wonderful day uh for the remainder of your time here in the, the quantum interview <laughs> realm um we will disappear back into the mists and go uh, do i get left here <laughs> <laughs> there's a door uh just over the plains okay the plains of interview and inquiry um, and to the left. um yeah i don't know why we use the teleporter we should just use the door <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there'll be a teleportation pad you'll find it um but we'll disappear back into the mists now and, and go wander this uh this landscape for our next interviewee uh thank you so much Marilyn. thank you so much for having me today i appreciate it Happy trails out in here. <laughs>